morning. Glad to see everybody here today. Thank you for that enthusiasm. Can I just say something? The worship gets all the... By the time I get up here, all y'all are ready for a nap or something. I don't know what's going on. So I might just preach first and let them sing after me. See how they like it. No, I'm just kidding. Something about getting into the presence of God really gets you excited. And uh, that's exactly what we do when we sing praises to the Lord. The Bible tells us what? He inhabits the praises of his people. So when we praise him, he inhabits those praises by his presence. And I don't know about you, but growing up in church, I know God is always everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent. He's always everywhere all the time. And I know it seems strange. And it even seems a little bit weird to say, but, but it, it, when we say things like, man, wow, the, the presence of God was, was so fresh and so strong and, and so amazing in today's service. Growing up in church, I can tell you that you can walk away from a church service and it be, eh, or you can walk away going, wow, didn't God show up in, amaz in an amazing way? Amen? And so I know God is always here all the time, but there's something about us taking a moment, praising the Lord, inviting his presence in, and when we do our huddle pre-service and we have all the volunteers and we sit here, we almost always say these words, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Do what you do best. Change hearts and lives. Amen? Because all of us could try really hard to inspire and to change your life, but you know what? By the time you hit the parking lot, the results will be completely gone. I serve a God who has eternal results in your heart and your life. Lasting results. Amen? I'm thankful today to be able to bring the word to you. I'm still a little bit um, excited uh, about coming off of the, the break that I had for a couple of weeks. Thank you for letting me take that time. But I really, really feel like the Lord is steering our church in a very unique path. I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful and prayerful. Can I tell you something that dawned on me this past week? Is I know the scripture says that when you see, uh, uh, to, to translate it very crassly, when you see the world falling apart at the seams, look up for his return is near, right? And I know the scripture says that, and, and I do that, and I look up, and I can't wait to see Jesus face to face, but I had this conversation, at least internally, and, and I was thinking about this thing. Is it okay for me to pray, Lord, I still feel like we have things to accomplish here upon the earth. Is it okay for me to say, God, have mercy on us, and give us a little more time to do what we feel like we're here to do. Now, at the end of the day, how many of you guys know that God is in control? And so my little prayer ain't going to change his mind. The time has been predetermined since the beginning. However, my heart's desire, how many of you guys know that your prayers are you vocalizing your heart's desire? 
sometimes, sometimes we get a little bit too uh, highfalutin or silly or whatever the case may be. We think if we don't pray it, God don't know we thought it. <laughs> how, many, how many of you guys know that God knows and he loves you anyway? <laughs> and so as I was having this conversation with myself, I began to vocalize this conversation and say, Lord, I still would like to be able to experience what it's like to be a grandpa. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know what's going on here. I thought the timeline had been. Anyway, I've got my newly married daughter down here and, and uh, her husband. They thought they, that they were going to throw me off of the grandchild scent by buying a, a, a wiener dog. God bless y'all. Maybe at Christmas there'll be a surprise. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, it's part of life. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to be able to. That, I can, I'm confident that Kelly and I are going to have the cutest grandbabies in the world. I'm confident in comparison to all y'all's nonsense, <laughs> our grandbabies. <laughs> Hey, have y'all ever had that moment where you get the picture of the newly born baby and say, they're precious, they're so cute, and you're like, oh! <laughs> oh, man, I am way off, way off track today. <laughs> the wheels are off the wagon at this point, man. Oh, man, if you're new to greater life, this is normal. This is normal, so, um, you know, Welcome. Don't, don't resist. Just jump in with us. We'll have a great time in the presence of the Lord. My Bible says that laughter is like good medicine. And how many of you guys know that we need a lot of good medicine today? Amen. Pray with me before we get too far down this road. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you're going to do. Use me, this vessel, to share the word that you've laid out for us today. As we begin to discover the power that love, the way you designed it, can have in our lives, can impact the people around us. The power that light, and sometimes just being honest with ourselves, will have in our daily lives. Have your way. May every heart in this room be open to hear your message. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle John, the author of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, we're beginning a brand new series called Letters of Love. It's the theme of these epistles. It's the theme of his gospel. He wrote the gospel of John, and many times we tell new believers the first stop that you need to make is in the gospel of John because it reveals Jesus and his love to the world. He wrote these epistles also with the theme of love, but more than that, it's an explanation, it's an encouragement. It addresses some issues about how, even in the second and third epistle, about how accepting the wrong people into the church with the wrong teaching could hurt the church. But also, in the same way, not accepting the right people with the right anointing could also harm the church. Today we begin with 1 John. 
Many scholars believe that 1 John, these five chapters, was the last book written in the sequence of the authorship of scriptures. John, the apostle, also wrote the Gospel of John, as mentioned before, but the book of Revelation. However, it is believed that John wrote this epistle, this letter, after he wrote everything else. Now, John, when he wrote this, was about a hundred years old, many people believe. He was an apostle. In the early church, there was horrific torture among the Christians of that time. The first century, there was a Roman ruler named Nero who took great pleasure in throwing Christians into an arena with hungry lions and people would come from all over to watch the Christians die as they were attacked and eaten, in essence, of these li- from these lions. Now, John was a unique case because Nero tried to kill John but failed. Nero got creative and he boiled John in oil. And he didn't die. Can you imagine the frustration of Nero? Will this guy never die? So after the boiling of the oil, he said, I don't want to see this guy anymore. He put him on an island called Patmos, which was a deserted island, a very rocky place. And he basically sent him out to this place by himself. He exiled him. After he had been exiled to the Isle of Patmos for a number of years, Nero died. It was on the Isle of Patmos that John had the vision of what we read in the book of Revelation. And after Nero died, John was allowed to go back into society. He went back into the area of Asia Minor. He found himself around the Christians again. It would be modern-day Turkey, by the way. He was around 100 years old at this time, and that's when he recorded Revelation. That's when he recorded these epistles. He wrote these books to Christians likely in the area of Ephesus. In the Gospel of John, he referred to himself as the apostle who Jesus loved. Now, I've often believed that maybe there was a little bit of Look at me, I'm the apostle that Jesus loved. You know, it's, I had a t-shirt I bought at Myrtle Beach. Um, that wonderful place. How many of you guys have ever been to that t-shirt shop where it has the crazy t-shirts? You know, I mean, if you've been there, you know which one I'm talking about. And it, had, it had the shirt that I had, and I'm really sad about it. Um, I might need to make an iron on. But it said, Jesus loves you. And then in smaller font, but I'm his favorite. And so I often thought that as John is writing this gospel and as he's writing about the other uh, uh, apostles and the experience, and then he writes about Peter and he kind of throws Peter under the bus a few times and he's writing on this and it's like he almost said, now Jesus loved all these guys, but I was his favorite. But I was watching a teaching this past week from someone and, and they gave me a little bit more insight where I thought John was being sassy and writing that he loves me the most. I begin to understand a little bit more about John's thinking. It's almost like when he wrote the apostle that Jesus loved, it was a statement of almost disbelief. 
So as John is writing the apostle that Jesus loved, it was like God came down and became flesh. Jesus was fully God and fully man. And God loved me. Jesus loved me. How many of you guys, even today, I still am amazed that Jesus still loves me? In spite of all of my stuff, he still loves me. Now, if you didn't raise your hand, give it some time. You'll make some more mistakes, and then you'll be amazed at the love of Jesus. And so I, I, thought, I think now more about a statement of unbelief that John wrote, and why? Because the apostle John was a brother of a man named James, and they were referred to as the sons of thunder. At 100 years old, John had the reputation of the apostle of love. Man, this guy loves everybody. As a matter of fact, he would, uh, he would preach. Church historians tell us that when he would come to preach, he was the last living apostle, and the church would prepare. They'd roll out the red carpet, and, and they'd have the specialty coffee ready and all of that. And so <laughs> they didn't do any of that back then. Anyway. They'd have everything ready. The Apostle John is coming. Get ready. Invite your friends. Invite your family. The Apostle John is coming. Everybody be there sitting in the room ready to hear the word from the last living apostle. And he would walk up and he would give a message in one sentence. Love one another. And then he would sit down. Now, some of you, before you begin to think maybe we're going to start doing that here at Greater Life Church. It ain't going to happen. I got too much to say. <laughs> you see? But that's what that church at that time needed to hear from the apostle of love. You know, Jesus even said they will know you how you love one another. And John's reputation went before him. He was a son of thunder when he was walking with Jesus upon the earth in Luke chapter 9, let me tell you how much a relationship with Jesus changed John's life. In Luke chapter 9, they're going and they come across a village, and the village rejects Jesus and the apostles. And so as they're walking away, John and his brother James say, Hey, Jesus, let's call fire down on these suckers. And he didn't say suckers, but let's call fire down on these unbelievers, right? And Jesus had to say, chill. What is the matter with you? So, but that was the resolve. That was the anger. That was the fire that John had. But now Jesus had changed him in such a way that now he is walking in love towards everyone that he sees. You see, boiling in oil Exile on an island of Patmos. And on the back end of all of that, he writes a letter about love. Some of us know people that have experiences in their life, and some of us make excuses even for our own lives, and we say, you don't know my history, you don't know my pain, you don't know what I've been through. And all of those things point to, this is just the way I am because I have been dot, 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 dot. I've got this history in my life, so this is just the way I am. And you got to deal with it. And John went through all of this stuff and finds himself known as the apostle of love in that church. If anybody had a right, and I say that very 
cautiously. Because the moment you start following Jesus, you give up your rights. If anybody had a right to be mad at the world for all that he had been through, it was this guy. And yet we find him, we find him known as the apostle of love. My hope in this series is that Jesus himself, through the Holy Spirit, takes each one of us over this next few weeks, fills us with his love, in essence, removing hate, removing bitterness, removing anger, that he fills us with his light, removing sinful desires and habits and every trace of darkness. I believe that the most effective church in today's world is the one most yielded to the will of the Holy Spirit in your life. And if we can just figure out what he wants us to be about, that's going to be the most effective that we can be. Sometimes we get distracted and we're about things that we want to be about and we're not about things that he wants us to be about. And this series, I want so much for us to be about love and for us to be about light because it's light that chases darkness and it's love that cancels hate. Love the way God designed it. Amen? If you're ready for me to start preaching, let me know. Thank you. See, Wes? A couple people clapped just now. Hey, first John, first John chapter one, beginning in verse one, the screen will have the scriptures and you encourage to follow along. I'll be reading from the new living translation. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself is revealed, was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father with, and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. In these first passages, the quote-unquote introduction to this sermon is that these epistles, 
This letter was written for two reasons. Number one, to reiterate that there is a firsthand experience that Jesus is real, that he walked on the earth, that he wasn't just some phantom that somebody made up, that he died upon a cross, that he rose again. And we, John says, can experience a relationship with this Jesus together. And then I love what he says. The other reason I'm so excited about is that so we can all experience fullness of joy. I've preached so many times, shared so many times, that happiness is based on circumstance. But the kind of joy that you get from the Lord, the world could be going crazy like it is. The world could be going crazy, yet our joy comes from above. Amen? How many of you guys understand this one thing, that to be in a relationship with Jesus, you can have pain, you can have suffering, you can have all kinds of things going on in your life, but at the end of the day, the joy of the cross and the salvation that comes from it is there. Amen? I'm telling you guys that there is an abundance of fullness of joy that grasping the truth in these epistles will help us walk away from it. And, and, and the devil has no hope. He has no chance to steal your joy. Nobody can steal your joy if it comes from above. And so many times we let people get away with it. The manager at work. Hey, you should have been on time today. I was so joyful, and now I can't be joyful. First of all, you should have been on time. Because in everything you do, you do unto the Lord. Second of all, why are you going to let them steal your joy that fast? Can I tell you, Joy Stealers 101, the news. Be ready. Social media. Everybody's life on social media, except mine, is <laughs> just a farce of what they want you to believe. Because when you're at their house and they just got done fighting about that picture they just posted, why'd you tag me in that? Don't tag, I don't look good in that. So you want to keep your joy? Stay off of it or use it like it's supposed to be used, not to debate stuff. I, I have yet to learn of anybody that has been converted to a different ideology because of the comments section on your social media. Oh, let me get up in here. Let me put some articles. Can we get back to being about eternal things? Can I tell you something? The government of the United States and every other country in the world, it ain't eternal. The king of kings is eternal. And someday, he's going to rule on the earth. <laughs> and finally, Democrats and Republicans will have no choice but unite. <laughs> Come on now. Because if Jesus brings us together, amen? Good night.
Green party? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Here we go. Number one. Number one, the message. The message. Verse 5 says, this is the message we heard from Jesus. And now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. Hallelujah. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It's high time that we stop pretending to serve Jesus and we really do it. That we put on a different face on Sunday morning than we do Monday through Saturday. And for those of us that doubt in any moment that I can do both and, this scripture says we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. And I want to remind you that everybody knows that lying is bad all the time. Yeah? The message. First thing on the message is we are to be full of light. You see, God is full of light. There is no darkness in him at all. The goal, the opportunity... The plan, your standard, as high as it might be, must be to eliminate darkness altogether. Lord, what else do I need to search and to change and to do in my heart and my life? Pastor, that's too hard. That's too, the standard's too high. It is. You can't do it. <laughs> So let me encourage you and say it is an exercise in futility and you can never, ever accomplish full of light and complete removal of darkness. But Jesus. But Jesus. God who is full of light became man. Full of light. Oh my goodness. And when we say Jesus... I can't. He comes in like a flood. It fills us with his presence and his spirit. But we are called to be full of light. Most of us are watered down because we've accepted a watered down gospel that says only part of this is inspired by God. We are a church that believes all of it. All of it. Because either you believe all of it or you believe none of it. There is no middle ground. I want to take this piece and anything. No, 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 no. We teach it all. We want to believe it all. All of it was inspired by God. Amen? And so we stand on the Word because the Word will not pass away. Here's what you need to know. Recently, I had a, a, a fire pit in the, in the yard. And I was putting wood in there. And my son, Garrett, was trying to help us 
help me get it going. And, and we, we lit some cardboard and, and we stacked the wood in there and we were trying real hard to get it going and it would get going and it would die and it would get going and it would die. And the wood was wet, but we we're like, surely we can figure out another way. So I went and got my blower. And I turned that thing on, stuck it in there, and the flame would go, ah, and then I'd take it away. I said, yes, started. And it wasn't 30 seconds, a minute later, things dead again. Pastor, what are you talking about? Glad you asked. You see, the fire of the Holy Spirit can come and move in your life. But if you're, if you're living a watered-down life and a watered-down gospel, then it will not catch. It's time that we stop walking on eggshells and we preach the truth without apology and believe that God himself will show up full of the light. So the message is, be full of the light. Remove all darkness. I can't. I know you can't. That's why Jesus came. Fellowship with the light. Fellowship. The word here is koinonia in the Greek. That makes me sound smart, doesn't it? It literally means to participate in the human experience and in communion with God. Living life together. You know, on Wednesday night around here, we have something called Grow Night. Grow Night is around here because we want to live life together. So we eat a meal at 6 o'clock. It's Chick-fil-A this week, by the way. We, <laughs> we eat a meal, which is already pre-blessed, right? So we eat a meal at six o'clock and we hang out together. We get to know each other. On Tuesday night, young adults get together and they do weird things, <laughs> playing games and stuff. That's what young adults do. God bless them. Our seniors, they go to places like Branson and gamble. <laughs> they didn't gamble, did they? Okay, no gambling. They just ride around on golf carts. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, living life together is part of God's design for you and I. We are to be in fellowship with one another and fellowship with the light. If you look around at your list of friends and they're all knuckleheads, change friends. I just, I just, there's so many things going on. Get, get some light-oriented friends, amen, that have fellowship with Jesus and be in fellowship with the light. Figure it out. Put yourself in a community of believers. The third thing under the message, living in the light. Living in the light. But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We sang this morning that the name of Jesus has power over every sin and every sickness. But pastor, I have somebody I know that uh, Don Lutcher just died because he got sick. He died, but he's alive forever with Jesus right now. Amen? Paul said he reminds us to die is gain when you have fellowship with the Lord. You know, it's interesting as we look at this message and we talk about living in the light I think it's also interesting that we, we make sure that we're honest. As I prayed earlier, we're honest with ourselves. You know, you know yourself better than anybody. Mark Twain said that, that, men are, that every man is like the moon. 
there's something that people see and then there's a dark side that only he knows about. Interesting. Now, I'm not here to say that all you guys got something you're hiding and if you're hiding it, please don't tell me we have a counseling ministry that... uh, (laughs) Tell them. (laughs) But in all seriousness, we all have struggled from time to time with, I don't want people to learn this part of my life because it, it would make me look bad. It would, it would bring me shame. It would bring me uh, my, my uh, what's it called, reputation. It would, it would compromise that. But I want to tell you that God is a God that loves you in the middle of your stuff. He knows the dark side and the light side. And he loves you anyway. I'm so thankful that there will be a day that this battle between flesh and spirit finally stops because now I'm finally with Jesus and I'm no longer in a world that's full of sin. But until then, I'm going to do the best I can to live for him. Amen? Hallelujah. Number two, the method. Back to the scriptures, 1 John 1, 8. Through chapter 2, it'll be on the screen. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful, say faithful, and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. My dear children... I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all of the world. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey his commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. And those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Again, we have a standard. That is not compromised, but it's set very high on purpose because it is only through Jesus that we meet that standard. The method, number two. First of all, the method to live in love and in the light is to confess our sins in verse eight. To be honest with yourself and with God. Confess your sins. What if I do it again? Confess it again. What if I do it a hundred times? Confess it again. My Bible says that we confess our sins and he is faithful to forgive us and go further. The goal would be is that we arrive at this wonderful place where he has cleansed us from all unrighteousness and all wickedness, which is number two under there. Cleanse unrighteousness. James chapter 1, 12 through 15. It reminds us that sin is something that grows within us. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him 
And remember when you are being tempted. Do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to, uh, God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes, listen, from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. That's an image you can't get out of your head. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to what? Death. You want to die? There's the path. But that death, friend, is talking about way more than this life. When you're all wrapped up in sin and you have a a refusal to submit yourself to God's plan for your life and to receive the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ, the end game is simple, hell. Hell is a real place. Judgment is a real thing. The Bible says that it is appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. So the opportunity is you're alive right now. Love Jesus. Receive his forgiveness and walk as best you can under his commandments and the call for your life. Confess our sin, cleanse unrighteousness, complete in love. Verse 5 says, God's word truly shows how completely they love him. Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. I love the last passage in the last verse in this. The last little phrase says, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Now, if you've ever felt underqualified, that statement right there is going to make you feel even more underqualified. Live like Jesus did. (sighs) Right? It messes you up. It messed me up. Some of you guys might be like, oh, I can do that. You know, the first sin was pride, right? I'm just putting that out there. So how did Jesus live? I think I've simplified it, and it may be an oversimplification, but I think I've simplified it to these these few things. We look at Jesus' life. He began his ministry in fasting and prayer. So to live like Jesus lived, we have to have a prayer life. Yes? Secondly, He lived his life in power. So to live like Jesus lived, we got to stop running around like we're always getting beat up by the devil and stand our ground. And our prayer is a prayer of power, not a retreat. Guys, I love, I love pastoring, but I would love even more a church that gets just fed up with the devil and his schemes and refuses to allow him to sneak in there and create havoc among the people of God. If there's sin in the camp, let's deal with it and get it out. Amen? Fasting and prayer, power. How did Jesus live his life? He also lived it in service to others. Jesus was the one that knelt and washed the feet of the disciples. Jesus was the one that that walked up to the woman at the well and loved her when no one else would talk to her. Jesus was the one that would find himself serving even when his mother called and said, hey, Jesus, we're, at, we're out of wine at that wedding. And, and Jesus says, mom, mom, come on. And then she looks at the servant and says, do whatever he said. Okay. Okay, mom, I got it. 
He served. He even said, Jesus himself, I have not come for any other reason but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. He lived his life in sacrifice. He put himself in a position to die for you, for me. We deserve it. He didn't. Finally, he lived his life in love. Even as people were screaming, crucify him. It was the love of Jesus that looked down at the very one that got done nailing him on the cross. Father, forgive him. Forgive him. Not forgive that one over there that was nice to me. Forgive this one that just now got done nailing me to the cross. That's love. Number three, the measure. Verse 9 through 11 of chapter 2. If anyone claims I'm living the light but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves another, anyone who loves another brother or sister is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates another brother or sister is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. The measure. The measure is simple. We've got to make sure there is love in the church. Living in the light eliminates hate in the body. If you hate your fellow believer, you are not living in the light. It's very simple. Secondly, leadership in the church. There are far too many leaders in the church today that are leading people astray and teaching truths that are not based in Scripture. And if they're teaching truths that are not based in Scripture, there's a buzz, there's a buzz phrase around that says, well, that's your truth. Have you heard that? Well, that's your truth. They ain't no your truth, my truth. It's the truth. Right? Man, if we're all responsible for coming up with our own truth, which is what's happening, leadership in the church. You know, it's like this. Leadership in the church should stay in its lane. You know what your lane is if you're a leader in the church? The path that's called straight and narrow. And be staying in that lane and be yelling at everybody that you know, come and join me on the straight and narrow path. And Paul said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. And we should all be saying, because guess what? If you're a believer in Jesus, you automatically are a leader in the church because people will follow you when they begin to learn that you know Christ. And your message should be, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm not perfect, but follow me as I follow Christ. I'm doing my best. Come and follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? Finally, light in the church. No hate, no blindness, and no darkness. Love and light at Greater Life Church looks like this. We're no longer looking at the plank in other people's eyes and judging people because there is only one judge, and it's the Lord Almighty. We are encouraging one another in the faith. We are loving one another where they are. 
You know, there's a big difference between me judging you and encouraging you. We are not condemning because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But when people come and they begin to experience the love of Jesus from me and you, guess what? Our encouragement and our love will stoke them closer to Jesus, not drive them further away. Amen? Conclusion for this is this, simply this. Verse 12, chapter 2. I'm writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. I'm writing to you who are mature in the faith. If you're mature in the faith, say amen. All right, I got two. If you're old and been serving the Lord for a while, say amen. Now, that's a little more. <laughs> because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I'm writing to you who are young in the faith. If you're young in the faith, say amen. I got three over here. If you're younger and a believer, say amen. amen. Some of you guys don't know where the line is. <laughs> I'm going to help you. I was watching something, and believe it or not, I'm three years away of being old, like decrepit old. <laughs> I saw this on a show or something. And they, if anybody's 50 and over, they're really old. Go do this and that. And I was like, I thought 50 was the new 20. Verse 14, I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. I've written to you who are mature in the faith. Say amen if you're mature. <laughs> because you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I've written to you who are young in the faith. Where you at? Oh, man, you guys. Because <laughs> you are strong. God's word lives in your hearts, and you have won the battle with the evil one. This, this message, this letter, this word was written to believers. We want, we pray, you're here today that you'll make a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. How do you do that? Simply this, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, you rose from the dead, and you will be saved. In confessing, you're believing. Amen? Submit yourself unto the salvation of the Lord. And I'm praying and believing that God can do a mighty work in your heart and your life today. Bow your heads with me. If you're here today, say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I haven't yet, and today is the day I want to choose to follow him. If that's you, then stand up right where you are right now. I'm going to pray over you, and then we'll be done. Hallelujah. Lord, according to the testimony in the room today, everyone is a believer or making a choice today to not receive that gift of salvation. I pray, God, that you would stir their hearts, that in these moments, that you would do an eternal work, that they would not let this day finish without giving their hearts completely to you and receiving your salvation. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the seeds planted in this message today. And now for the rest of us, God, challenge us and change us to be love and light throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.